Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. Uh, in this episode, we will discuss section 85 of the Doctrine and Covenants. So this is uh, a letter uh, written, or an extract of a letter written to W.W. W. Phelps uh, by the Prophet Joseph. Uh, there were some questions about people, some saints who had moved to Zion in Missouri, but they had not received their inheritances according to the established uh, order that had, uh, yeah, the established order of the church. And there are some people who were not wanting to live the law of consecration. And so uh, that's what's going on a little bit here. And the prophet here uh, talks about, first of all, as we'll, we'll go through it just kind of through verse by verse here a little bit. Uh, verse 1, the, the prophet reaffirms the importance of record keeping. Um, President Joseph Fielding Smith taught, we are informed that we are to be judged out of the books that are kept. Therefore, they should be accurate in every detail. Remember, Brother Whitmer uh, had been called as the church historian. And so this is a just re-emphasis of the importance of the church keeping a record, but also of us as individuals keeping a record. Um, to me, as I read this quote from President Joseph Fielding Smith, that we're, we are to be judged out of the books that are, are kept, and we should be accurate in our details. That struck me at, in, in my own writing. Am I being accurate? Uh, you know, the point of keeping a journal is not to paint a rosy picture about yourself or about life. It's a, it's about being accurate. And I've shared on this podcast many times that a journal can be beneficial for just you. If you're the only one that ever reads it, because it's something you can go back to and revisit and you can kind of get back in the state of mind that you were in when you wrote it and you can see how you've evolved. You can see what the Lord told you in similar situations and circumstances and remember those thoughts and feelings. Um, but as, as it relates to being accurate and being judged out of those books, I thought, am I going to be judged out of the books that I write? And so I should be writing something first of all, and I should be accurate. Now I don't know what books specifically, and I don't know what, this exactly means, full disclosure. But President Joseph Fielding Smith said, we are informed that we are to be judged out of the books that are kept. Therefore, they should be accurate in every detail. And to, I, my journal is a book. That, and I feel like it's probably safer uh, than sorry. And to 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 keep something accurately to the, that reflects my faith, that reflects the trials of my faith, that reflects my thoughts, so that when the time comes, I can be judged out of that and say, "Look, I'm not that man anymore. Look how the look how the atonement changed me. Look how I evolved since that this record was written." But also, I can say, I can I can record things that are revelations that are my testimony, and I can say, "Look, look at this book. This is my this is my testimony. Judge me from this. This is this is." the faith and the revelation and the truth that I received. Um, as we go through, uh, we get into verses seven and eight, and this refers to a story from first Samuel. So uh, I, there's actually quite a bit here that I want to read from uh, John Taylor, David O. McKay, uh, but first, I kind of want to just summarize this story from the Old Testament. So what happened is the Philistines had defeated the Israelites in battle, and they had taken the Ark of the Covenant. Um, and 
they returned it because they started getting all these plagues and terrible things were happening to them. And they were like, uh, maybe it's because we stole this sacred relic from the Israelites. So let's take it back. So uh, they take it back. And David and the people were bringing the ark back into Jerusalem on a, uh, on a cart. And it was, as they were crossing, uh, you know, think of a cart and pulled by an ox. And it's, you know, these aren't uh, 21st century trailers with, you know, being pulled by a, a truck with smooth driving and cruise control on a paved road. So you can imagine that there's some bumpiness. And the, the ark started to rock. And looked like it was going to fall. And Uzzah uh, put his hand out. And it says, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. So this is in uh, actually 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel here. So why would that happen? Well, the ark of the covenant was was stored and kept in the holy of holies where not even the priests were allowed to go. Only the high priest was allowed to go, and only on the Day of Atonement, uh, Yom Kippur. Uh, and that day was the day that he would make uh, an atonement, or he would, you know, a blood sacrifice. And it was to be symbolic of the, the offering of Christ. But it was only on that day that only the high priest was allowed in the, in the Holy of Holies where the Ark was kept. And so this is a sacred thing, uh, very holy, and not, you know, not to be trifled with, essentially. And Uzzah put his forth, hand forth, and you might think, well, he was trying to save it. It was holy. He was trying to protect it. But the whole idea here is, even though he was well-intentioned, he approached something that he didn't have the authority or permission to approach, and he assumed that the Ark was in danger, forgetting that it was the physical uh, symbol of the, the presence and power of God. That's what the Ark was and what represented and so do you, did you did you think that the Lord would let it fall, Uzzah? And so in section 85, the point that Joseph Smith makes is that uh, he he mentions one is one mighty and strong who see who you know claims to be the one who can steady the ark. And the point of this is the ark in this case is the kingdom of God on the earth, the church. And there are those who seek to steady it or to fix it or to say that it has problems and I'm the one, I'm the strong and mighty one who will fix it. They seek to steady the ark, but the folly that they make is thinking that the ark, the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ, would falter. That Christ would allow it to falter. That Christ would allow his chosen and appointed leaders, his anointed, to lead it in error. Think of... There are, I think, you know, dozens of examples in the last 10 years and more, uh, you know, but I'm thinking of high profile ones in the church where people believe the church has been led astray. I have sadly a cousin who has been led astray. He, they, he believes that Joseph Smith was a prophet, but believes this is, everyone following that was, was essentially evil and uh, just seeking power. And, you know, has, withdrawn from the church, but for a time sought to steady the ark, thinking, oh, look, this is wrong. I, we can fix it. I'm the strong and mighty one. But there are dozens of, the, of examples like this. The important thing to remember is that the ark represented the power and presence of God. Church, The church of Jesus Christ represents what the body, we are the body of Christ. Do we believe, do we really have 
a, a doubt? Do we think that Christ would allow his anointed to lead us astray? It's not in the program. It never has been. If, if, it, if a prophet tried to lead us astray, he would be struck down. And another would, would uh, be called to replace him, to guide us after the um, order that Christ wants us to be uh, guided. This is why the, the authority and the line of authority in the churches is, is important. This is why there are two lines of uh, revelation. I've mentioned this several times in the last few weeks as we've been, been discussing the Doctrine and Covenants. October 2010, President Oaks. Two lines of authority, two lines of revelation, two lines of communication. A personal line and the priesthood line. The priesthood line is there to give us order. To make sure that, hey, look, you're not going to receive something that goes outside these bounds. If you're given, uh, you know, revelation and you think, oh, I've been, I've been given this revelation to study the church or to, to correct this doctrine or to correct this practice, well, wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> it's, it's a check and balance. That's the reason there's two, there's two lines. Um, if you draw a dot on a piece of paper, you can draw an infinite number of lines through that dot. If you draw two dots on a piece of paper, you can only draw one straight line that will intersect both points. It keeps us straight and on, and on the straight and narrow. Um, David O. McKay said, It is a little dangerous for us to go out of our own sphere and try unauthoritatively to direct the efforts of a brother. You remember the case of Uzzah, who stretched forth his hand to steady the ark. He seemed justified when the ox stumbled in putting forth his hand to steady the symbol of the covenant. We today think his punishment was very severe, but be that as it may, the incident conveys a life, a lesson of life. Look, let us look around us and see how quickly men who attempt un, to unauthoritatively steady the ark die spiritually. Their souls become embittered, their minds distorted, their judgments faulty, their spirits depressed. Such is the pitiable condition of men who, neglecting their own responsibilities, spend their time in finding fault with others. John Taylor said, we have more or less of the principles of insubordination among us. But there is a principle associated with the kingdom of God that recognizes God in all things and that recognizes the priesthood in all things. And those who do, who do not do it had better quickly repent or they will come to stand very quickly. I tell you in the name of the Lord, do not think you are wise and that you can manage and manipulate the priesthood for you cannot do it. God must manage, regulate, dictate, and stand at the head and every man in his place. The ark of God does not need steadying, especially by incompetent men without revelation and without knowledge of the kingdom of God and its laws. It is a great work that we are engaged in, and it is for us to prepare ourselves for the labor before us to acknowledge God and his authority, his law, and his priesthood in all things. Now, before I wrap this episode, two quick thoughts. Number one, to me, this is a testimony and a, and a reaffirmation of what we should do is magnify our callings and lift where we stand. What are we called to do? Do that and do it well. Number two, this does not mean bl having blind faith in the church leaders. It never has meant, meant that, and God doesn't want that. God prefers men who question with boldness, but those who listen to the answers they get. And so we can pray to know that our leaders are called of God and that, are, that they are chosen for us to lead us. And as we come to know that, then it becomes easier to listen to them and to understand what the Lord is trying to speak to us through them. 
there is a prophet on the earth today. He is called. He is set apart to lead us and guide us in these days. Thank you for listening. I hope you join me in the next episode as we discuss section 86.